Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today's podcast, we would like to take a moment to thank Kaleo for their kind sponsorship of FACT's Roundtable podcast. We also would like to thank them for the support we've received over the years. In honor of Food Allergy Awareness Month, we're sharing shorter and more focused podcasts on a specific topic. Today is part two of a two-part series on how to keep cooking with food allergies interesting and very tasty with FACT's Director of Marketing and cookbook author Lisa Horn. In this episode, we'll discuss how to engage children and teenagers and how to keep your own cooking fresh and exciting. So now as a foodie, how can we keep our allergen-safe meals fresh and interesting? You know, I have a tendency to get in a rut. I mean, I knew I know they say that we often eat the same foods over and over, but what do we do when you're on this restricted diet and you're trying to keep things fresh and interesting? That I think is a constant battle. And we've kind of been through that again now that he has new diagnosed allergens after over a decade of, you know, just managing the peanut and the shellfish. And then, you know, you get into a routine and you're like, great, I, we have our safe dinner recipes, we have our safe lunch recipes, we have our safe breakfast and snack and dessert and all these things. And you kind of just get into life and you get into a routine. And we did that. And then the garlic allergy threw a wrench into everything. <laughs> and so by necessity, we started looking for, okay. And I, I mentioned that I'm Mexican. How do we make salsa without garlic? How do you do that? You know? And I think that's even people that are, maybe you're Italian and you get a, you know, wheat allergy or, you know, there's just certain things when you have these cultural foods and maybe you're not even Mexican, but you like salsa, you know, who doesn't like chips and salsa? Oh, Everybody I agree. Likes chips and salsa, Everybody, right? I love them. Everyone loves them. <laughs> but I did think that. And I was telling my mom, because my mom is the one that I have my Mexican heritage from, I'm like, mom, how do we make salsa without garlic? And so we had to go through and we had to play around with it and find it. And that's actually one of my most popular recipes on my blog, because come to find out um, through this garlic allergy journey is that there's a whole low FODMAP community with IBS and they try to avoid garlic. And so all those folks love me and I love them. <laughs> and they love my salsa recipe. But where that salsa recipe came from that's on my website that I altered um, is in this cookbook too. But we just had to make some alterations to it so that it still has that great Mexican flavor uh, without the garlic. And so I guess to answer your question, necessity will oftentimes do that for you. But if you just happen to find yourself, you know, oh, I just feel like we've been having the same dinners and lunches and breakfast and whatever all the time. We want something different. I'll sometimes just ask my son, 
or when I'm driving around and looking at what restaurants there are out there. And I'll say, if you could go eat anywhere right now, because especially with garlic, there's hardly anywhere that he can dine out. Almost everything has to be homemade from scratch for us. But I say, if you could have anything right now, what would you have? Or if you you get a, an allergen that you thought was a potential allergen and it's reintroduced into your diet, for him, it was oat. He said, mom, I would love to have an oatmeal cream pie. And we can't buy the boxed ones because, and, and this, everybody's different and different is okay. We personally avoid cross contact. That it was what our allergist advised us to do for others that their allergist didn't advise them to do that. Follow the advice of your own allergist, but ours advised us to avoid cross contact. So on one of the brands of oatmeal cream pies, even though he got oat approved, it says may contain peanut. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> you know Really? Um, but we have an oatmeal cream pie recipe. And so we're going to make oatmeal cream pies. And so I guess kind of asking yourself or asking your child or asking your spouse or whoever it is in that your fam in your family that has the allergen or even asking other family members, you know, hey, what have we not had because of this allergy? Well, if we could go eat anything, would you want sushi? Let's figure out how to make sushi, you know? Or, and maybe they have a shellfish allergy. Okay, well, maybe we can make veggie rolls. Let's figure out how to make veggie rolls at home so that we don't have to you, because he does have a shellfish allergy. Um, you know, let's make sushi rolls at home. Let's figure that out. And what are our favorite vegetables and what would we want, want to put in there? Would we want to put, you know, cucumber and carrots and avocado? And, and how would we want to do that? How would that look for us? And then you just play around. That is such an amazing tip. I love that. Like when you're driving, you're right. You see a sushi restaurant. Hey, what do you think about that? I, I love it. Your creativity is just off the chart. And Thank you. I and love it. Time, I think, you know, when you get into that habit of what are your dinners, what are your lunches, and you get those safe things, it can be just this subconscious, like, this is my safety net. I'm just going to hold on to that net. Or this is my my life saving my floaty device or whatever. I'm just going to hold on to that. Let's just use these. Let's just stick to these. And then, like you said, even driving around, I noticed that sometimes because I know, especially with his garlic allergy, he can't eat hardly anywhere because garlic is in chicken nuggets. It's in like it's literally in everything. My garlic allergy friends that are listening will know <laughs> it really is like salt and pepper. It's in everything. So I kind of turn on these blinders, even even you know, in life. And I stop even looking at restaurants and I stop even, it, it become, it, it's just like a safety, like an, a mental safety to just not even look at them because it's not an option. But when you are looking for new recipes, make it an option and then figure out how you can make it, make it safe. Well, it becomes so easy to tighten our world up, mm -hmm. you know, to stay safe. And I think that's a challenge as a food allergy community that it becomes very easy to kind of slide into this box where we know everything is safe and let's not push out of it. But these are all ingredients that we know are safe. And it's so important to remind ourselves, step out of the box. Absolutely. And I will tell you, no matter what your allergen is, we can find a way to make it safe for you, you know, and I've really pushed the limits of, of, uh, comfort zone and all those things with his garlic allergy, because when you have to try and make, whether it's salsa, marinara, pizza, just all the things, chicken nuggets without this staple that everybody uses and will it still taste good? And it does. It really does. Where there's a will, there's a way. 
Oh, absolutely. And you have to think about cuisines from other parts of the world. They just don't have access to certain herbs and certain ingredients. And yet those countries produce amazing food. And so I always remind myself, and actually uh, my dad's Greek. And when my son was first diagnosed, he said, pretend you're in a new country and what are their resources and go enjoy. And it's true. You just take it and run. Yes. One of our Uber drivers, when we go to California, we frequent Disneyland a lot. We're season pass holders, even though we live in Arizona. And one of our Uber drivers, we became really good friends with him and his brother. And so we have their business card and we just call them anytime that we're there so that we get them as our Uber drivers. But they are, and I am probably not going to pronounce it correctly. I'm trying my best. Eritrean. And we were asking them, you know, what is your food like? And we were asking them, you know, what do you season it with? And and really, it's so true what you're saying. The seasonings and everything are completely different. And we're asking them, you know, don't you use this and don't you use that? And they don't use most of the things that we use. So you can make food differently and it still tastes amazing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So now looking at our kids and especially teens, do you have any tips for getting them involved in the kitchen? Because, you know, even though as food allergy parents, we're getting creative, but we have to pass this down because eventually they're going to either head out of the house into the workforce and into their own adult lives, or they're going to be heading to college and needing to cook on their own. So what tips do you have for getting kids involved in the kitchen? That is a great question. I love it. And as homeschoolers, there's something that we do, but I will preface this by saying anyone can do it. You don't have to be a homeschooler to do this. What I did is I got on to Amazon and I got a three ring binder cookbook for each of my children. And once a week or so, we will make a recipe. And maybe that's a simple overnight oats in a jar recipe, or maybe it's a simple spaghetti recipe, whatever it is. You ha- you have the whole family help make one recipe together. And then you write that recipe down on a card and they each put it in their little cookbook. So what my kids have done now, and if you do this just once a week, you don't have to do it every day. You don't have to do it every other day, literally just once a week. In one year, each child will have, and yourself, maybe you're new to cooking, maybe, you know, as an adult, even for your family. And so you make a family cookbook as well. Each time they're copying it into their own, they can take this with them to call. And I've told my kids this guys that you can, you'll be able to take this with you to college when you first get married everywhere that you go in life. And so even now when I'm not home because I'm, I'm running errands or I'm volunteering in the community or whatever I'm doing, and we have this garlic allergy, my husband, he's able to ask any of my kids, guys, mom told me that we're making spaghetti. How do I make marinara? Because we can't just use jarred marinara. And if we buy the low FODMAP, which I'm grateful for the the companies that manufacture the safe foods, but everybody in the food allergy community knows it's so expensive. And sometimes it is just better to make it. And so instead of buying the $10 jar of marinara, we figured out a way to do it on our own. That's like the cost of $2 or a (laughs) dollar. And so my husband will ask my kids, where, where's the recipe? And any one of them runs and goes and gets their little cookbook and turns to the page where we've made the marinara together. And they all know how to make homemade from scratch, simple marinara that you can use in spaghetti or on pizza. This is such a brilliant 
tip. I actually am going to steal this from you, which I know you're actually sharing it. So it's not (laughs) really a steal, Uh, but I am going to take it. And I think that's what I'm going to do for my kid's birthday. My daughter's birthday is coming up in a week and she's a sophomore in college. And then my son is in grad school uh, and, and I'm constantly sending him recipes where he'll message me and he'll say, mom, what's the recipe, you know, for the banana cupcakes, you know, mom, what's the recipe for this? I think this is brilliant. I wish I would have heard this years ago, but it, no problem. I'm going to yeah. catch up. I love it because then it each book's individualized because my son's allergies are very different from my daughter's. And, or what if you have a child who just doesn't have allergies? They can have their recipes too. Right. And my of, of my five children, my oldest is the only one with the allergies. Again, I do have a daughter that's dairy intolerant, but we write little notes in there use coconut milk to make it dairy free or use whatever. And so they each can write their own little notes in there. And I will say, you know, if you could do this on a budget, you don't have to go buy. Yes, I did buy really nice ones and I have it listed on my little Amazon storefront. So if people want to go find the ones that we used and they, and you know, they are a little bit more expensive and they're really nice and we love them and everything, but you don't have to do that. Don't let the monetary aspect of it stop you from doing it. You could literally get from the dollar store or Walmart, a very simple, like the ones that you would use for school or even repurpose an old one that's from school, three ring binder and some sheet protectors and do it that way. You know, it it could truly be as simple and frugal as you would like it to be. Or, you know, if you want to go and get the fancy, because there are so many really cute stationary binders and, and recipe cards, you know, the, the world is yours to do as you wish, but you can do it as frugal as you want or as, you know, fun and fancy and nice as you want, but it's there. And it does get them excited because they are learning. And, and sometimes it's by force with the teenagers. Anybody that has a teenager knows, right? (laughs) Are a whole fun, fun journey. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. But but uh-huh. again, it's great. We do the three ring binders with the page protectors. And then I just actually take their index cards from yeah. school. And and we just go from there or we pull the recipe from a magazine or it's a printout from the computer or we have, you know, a great, great aunt's handwritten tortilla recipe on yeah. a little piece of paper. And then I just photocopy it to, you yeah, know, share and, and write, just make it work. Ugh. Brilliant, brilliant tip. But, but once they start doing it, they love it because they start realizing, wow, I can create things. Because I do think that in our society, we live in such a fast-paced society and there's so many restaurants and there's so many fast food places and there's so many products that you can buy that we've kind of gotten away a little bit from the art of cooking, the art of baking, the art of simplified, the art of making things homemade or from scratch. And honestly, my husband even commented, he was like, Lisa, it sometimes takes just as much time or less to make it homemade. You're not really even saving that much time oftentimes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've done that so many times where my husband would be like, oh, maybe we should, you know, go out to eat. And I'm like, you know what? I can make that faster. Yeah. And it usually tastes better homemade, doesn't it? It really does. Exactly. And so I just (laughs) save the eating out for when I really just want to sit and have someone serve me. Uh Uh-huh. Now, can you tell listeners how they can follow you and find the cookbook? 
Yes, absolutely. So I am online foodallergypi.com and that's PI for private investigator because really aren't we all investigators and detectives, whether you are living with or managing food allergies, or like I mentioned earlier, allergists, they are investigators and detectives. We all are constantly when you're reading labels, when you're finding new recipes. So foodallergypi.com. And then also on all social media channels, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, even I finally got on TikTok, (laughs) all the social media, foodallergypi. Excellent. Well, our time together has come to an end. So do you have one thought you would like to share with listeners before we wrap up? Don't hesitate, investigate, and always carry too. I tell my son that every day. I think it's just a helpful reminder for everybody every day is to never hesitate, always investigate, whether it's a label, whether you're at a family or a friend's or wherever, and when in doubt, throw it out. It's never worth it. It's really never worth it. And to always carry too, always carry, whether you're using OVQs or EpiPins or whatever it is that you're using for your epinephrine of choice, always have them. If you've just left the house, it's worth it to turn around five or 10 minutes and go back home and get them. Always have your epinephrine with you. My son was swimming last night for this huge church group where there's like a hundred kids swimming at someone's house. That was crazy. Right. And I said, do you have your epinephrine with you? Even though he just had swimming trunks and a towel. And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, where are you going to put it when you get there? I'm just going to leave it under my towel. And I was like, well, I'm glad that you are making the effort to take it, but maybe ask the person that it's their home. If you could even put it on their kitchen counter. So it doesn't get, cause he has, he's gone swimming and because he's so faithful at carrying it with him, but he went in the pool with it. So then we had to get replacements, but take it everywhere with you. Take it everywhere. Well, he was following your suggestion. Take it everywhere. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and thoughts and your energy and your creativity. I really appreciated our time together today. And I know listeners will too. So thank you very much. Thank you, Caroline. It's been fun. Before we say goodbye today, we just want to thank Kalea one more time for their kind sponsorship. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.